Hello, Joanna. Hello, Nate. Hello to all of you. Welcome to the show. We are Stranger Than. We talk about the strange, the unsolved, the mysterious, the misunderstood, the creepy. And today, we will be talking about some of the real-life stories behind horror movies or other random scary movies, I right. guess. Because it's spooky season. It is spooky season. I love spooky season. I love just having an excuse to just watch a bunch of horror, like, all the time. Get to make everything all macabre and scary in your house. Yeah, if I you're mean, into the whole decorating thing, mm-hmm, then that's... I really am. Yes, I... I love to decorate. Can't clean worth shit, so... I'm always like, oh, I'm not going to decorate until the house is clean. But since that never happens... I've got about 70% of the decorations up on the wall now, and everything looks like total shit. Hey, but it's <laughs> But scary. the decorations are up. Those are cool. It's as long as you don't scary. look down on the floor, you just focus on the walls. Everything's fine. Everything's fine and good. Yeah. Everything's fine and good. I think that's why guys grow beards, is so they can't see really what's going on beneath them. Well, you wouldn't want to if you're in my house, that's for sure. Right. Well, only have a... If you're going to go to Joanna's house, be sure to have a beard. Yeah, beards are warranted. Well, why don't you start us out with a movie, Joanna? Okay. Let's start with a really well-known movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, I've seen that one. That one's, you know, the original is really terrifying. The first one and the the first, second, and third are good. And then... The final nightmare, the basically, new nightmare, or the new nightmare. Wes Craven's new nightmare. I like that one. Yeah, if it's got Nancy in it, or if it's the second one, I'm good. Yeah, the second one was was pretty okay, but then after that, I was reading an article where the the guy writing it was saying that um people kind of forget how scary the first one was because you get all these sequels and he just kind of becomes like like a sideshow character. It gets like, very very campy. It gets super campy and cheesy and. But the original one and Wes Craven's New Nightmare, I love that. I love how oh, yeah. Heather Langenkamp is like playing herself. Oh, it's so good. I love, that's what I love. They're all. And Robert England's just all like, yeah, well, hey, I'm I'm Robert England, the actor. Like, yeah, it's good. I like it. It was really good. I, I liked it a lot. I own the first one. I would own the first three and, and the New Nightmare. The remake. N- not not great. Was there a remake? Yeah, they remade it. It had the guy who played um, Rorschach from Watchmen as Freddy Krueger. Oh, okay. I haven't watched Watchmen either. I own it, but Watchmen is really good. I know. There's a there's a story behind that. It involves a stupid boy. Stupid boys. <laughs> but the new Friday the Thirteenth movie is not good. Do not recommend. Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street. Or Nightmare on Elm Street. Did okay. I say Friday the Thirteenth? I always, 13th. I always say that, but no. Well, no, it's because the two are so associated. I mean, they were going on. There are these two horror franchises that yeah, were going yeah. on at the same time while we were growing up, so it was like a big deal. They even made one that was like Freddy versus Jason, didn't they? they? Did, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think I ever saw that one. I never really watched any of them growing up. I never gave a shit. I used to love it when it was. 
I think we were past just like seven channels of analog TV. We maybe had a little cable going on, but anytime they were going to like TNT was doing some sort of or USA doing some sort of like spooky fright fest and they were doing like all the Freddy Krueger all the Jason oh, yeah. movies totally that was that was the best I loved that there was something to be said about live television and that or network television I guess and and the things they would do because you would always be able to just watch weird shit like get Leprechaun and then Troll right. 2 followed by Nightmare on Elm Street 4 mm-hmm. and <laughs> Night of the Living Dead Part 6. You know, just some weird mix of mainly trash, but yeah, damn, it's entertaining. Top it all off with Jason Takes Manhattan. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the inspiration behind the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Apparently, Wes Craven was reading the L.A. Times, as you probably would when you're like a director that lives in L.A. Yeah, that's I, I think I would do that, especially if it was they didn't have the Internet there, and smartphones. There, there was no Internet read? and smartphone. So, yeah, you read the fucking paper. It's the most <laughs> contemporary up to date thing you got. Right. God. And it's like, damn, it's like the print is just so dead now. It's yeah. a really cliche thing to say, but it's true. Well, like Egon said that in, yeah, uh, in, in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Print is dead. Yeah. When Janine's all trying to make the moves on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wes is reading the LA Times and he comes across an article about a boy who died in his sleep. Now... His parents and himself and I think some siblings. They had escaped the killing fields of Cambodia. Oh, wow. And come to live in America. But the boy was like plagued by nightmares. Yeah, a little PTSD. Yeah, just a little bit. So just a couple. Little facts here about the killing fields, if you're not familiar. If you want to really familiarize yourself, you could watch a docudrama that is titled The Killing Fields, and it'll probably really bum you out. <laughs> so it's so uh, it's pretty heavy and it's yeah. going to make you pretty sad, but it's it's good. It's really good. Just sucks so bad. In 1979, Cambodia. A guy named. Pol Pot. Have you not heard of him? What is his name now? Pol Pot. P-O-L space P-O-T. Pol Pot. Okay. Pol Pot. He takes over Cambodia with his Khmer Rouge regime. Okay. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. A little. Him and his regime basically had this insane idea of like, I guess, extreme communism, except he's like a dictator. He basically just wanted to make every single person in the country uh, a slave and having to grow rice and no intellectuals and everyone is just working for him. 
right. the entire country. So he was just trying. They get nothing, and they, they, he just wanted to make them all slaves, pretty much. Right. He was playing God King sort of thing. Right, because he was completely fucking insane, and he was trying to base it off of some model, like from like the 12th or 13th century. Oh, good. When the, it was like the. They were serfs, and he owned yeah, them. Yeah, basically. And that was it. His Khmer Rouge regime is, I guess, modeled after how it was. It was called the Khmer Empire. Okay. And yeah, it was way long ago. And he was convinced that he was just going to march in here into this country and make it like that. Yeah. Reasonable. Very reasonable. And what occurred was just total genocide. As happens. He starved worked to death tortured stabbed executed about 25 percent of the population of cambodia jesus christ so out of a population of seven million he killed about two million and this was 1979 to 1983 wow yeah so it was four years of this so that's pretty uh Pretty holocausty right there. Yeah. Except this time it was because this well Madman. Both of they were madmen, but it wasn't racially motivated. It was more just like this crazy idea of He wasn't killing yeah. people based on any reason anything except he just was needed to teach everyone else a lesson, basically. I guess so. And this was how he wanted he just wanted his whole like country of workers to fucking work to fucking work and work hard lots of them were worked to death children were separated from their families just all sorts of just awfulness but it is kind of unique in that way that it wasn't a genocide because of a that didn't have like you know like cultural or ethnic or religious or anything uh, racial group yeah weird we are because most of the time genocide is about that. There's about a reason. Some other group yeah. wanting to exterminate another group, different yeah. group. But the Nazis wanted to get rid of the Jews. Exactly. But this guy was just a horrible, crazy person who happened to come into power for four years before the. After four years, the Vietnamese came and took him out. Okay. Like no, no. You're a whack job. We've had enough, and you're dead. It was probably a good time, 1979, to do that. Cambodia borders Vietnam. Yeah. And 79, you're talking, it's just like maybe four years from when the Americans called it quits and left Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So probably a little bit of a recovery, and then communism took over the whole country, and they were probably pretty occupied at that point, so... I guess probably old Pol Pot was like, why not march into Cambodia and just make it mine and fucking kill anyone who resists me? And Figured he could do it and was oh. thankfully wrong. Thankfully wrong. enough whack jobs in power. There are many killing fields, so to speak, in Cambodia, but they're the one that they reference in the docudrama and the one that it's best known for is one that's just right out of uh, Phnom Penh. What would happen typically is just hundreds and thousands of people would get marched into these fields and have to dig a trench. And then they would 
beat or bayonet them to death. Oh, and wow. They wouldn't even shoot him. They would. No, they didn't want to waste bullets. Wow. They would just. Pol Pot was all like all about not. Wasting bullets. Yeah, not wasting bullets. And so they would just stab these poor people. And then half of them probably weren't even dead when they got buried. Yeah. Wow. Great. They've been excavating the fields, the grave sites. And at this particular field, there is a seven-story house, which just houses like all these skulls and bones of just so many people. It just fills this place up. Great. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And they're still trying to excavate and they'll never come close to probably identifying all the people. Right. Two million people. Wow. Over four years. So back to LA or wherever this kid lived. Yeah. Pretty, pretty heavy shit to have lived through. Yeah. I can, I can see how you'd have a little, uh, be quite PTSD because of it. Yeah. I I mean, I can imagine just that you were just living in terror. Oh yeah. And yeah. Oh, just saw awful things, and uh, it would be hard to live with after, even after, like, you're safe or whatever. Yeah, how could you really feel yeah. safe? Not great. Not great Not at all. Not great at all. And this boy, he would have terrible nightmares saying that something was chasing him. And he would try and stay awake for days at a time because he was so terrified to sleep. Yeah. The nightmares scared him that badly that he just tried not to sleep as much as possible. And then one night they heard several screams. And by the time they got to his bedroom, he was dead. That's crazy. He just died. He died in the middle of a nightmare because they could hear him screaming. And they, you know, you know, jump up, you, you know, get out of bed. Run down the hallway to the to the room. Open the door. Open the door. Kid's dead. It wasn't like in the movie where there's blood all over the place, like the ceiling and shit, was it? Was it? That is the scene that sticks out the most for me. Yeah. <laughs> when Nancy's <laughs> boyfriend gets killed and like he sucked down the bed and then all the fucking blood, blood goes, just or or well, at the very the beginning. Uh, when her friend gets killed. When her friend gets yeah. killed, there's the boy in the room with her. Yeah craziness no i as far as i know there was nothing like that there was like no... his heart just stopped right just a heart attack wow i tried to find this article myself and i was unable to like probably i could have like eventually but given the time you were given my time limitations i was unable to find it but i did find Another article published by the LA Times right around that time. It was in 1983. And I'm going to just read it because I didn't have time to paraphrase. That's fine. (laughs) It's written by Larry Doyle to the LA Times, January 11th, 1987. It says Chicago. Since April 1983, at least 130 Southeast Asian refugees have left this world in essentially the same way. They cried out in their sleep, and then they died. Huh. 
Medical authorities call this Asian death syndrome. Asian death syndrome. The refugees have various names for it, one of them being night terror. Huh. Terror. It's another one I can't say very well, like horror. Horror and terror. Yeah, I think you did fine. Thank you. It's it's a word that sounds weird to me when I say it. Well, you you said it properly on <laughs> both of those words properly. In the Philippines, it's called bangungut. In Japan, pokuri. In Thailand, something else, says Dr. Robert Kirshner. But it all roughly translates to the same thing, nightmare death. Interesting. As Deputy Cook County Medical Examiner, Cook County, ah, uh, that's right in Evanston near Chicago. Oh, Cook County. That, oh, was like my, that was my old hood. That's your until, old hood. Until I was four and basically have no memory of it. Yeah, yeah. Back when you were you're running, running with the Chicago gangs. That's right. Three years old. You gotta, you gotta get in a gang, otherwise. If you don't join if, a if gang, join, they'll beat yeah, you into a gang. Exactly. And so, and so, so you gotta, gotta join the gang. It's for protection. Definitely. As a deputy Cook County medical examiner, Kirshner has investigated five nightmare deaths himself, including a Laotian father and son who died in a North Side Chicago apartment in bed, asleep, and only fifteen months apart. So one died in their bed asleep, and then 15 months later, the other one died. Father and son. Damn. The people in their neighborhood are terrified, Kirshner says. Spurred by curiosity and concern, Kirshner, an associate professor of pathology at the University of Chicago, undertook a systematic study of the problem. His results, based on data from Federal Centers for Disease Control and autopsies of 18-night terror victims, were recently reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association. God damn. Mm-hmm. 1983. Pretty crazy. Yeah, really crazy. The victims had much in common, Kirshner found, first and foremost, that nothing seemed to be wrong with them before they suddenly died. These are all healthy men with no previous symptoms. The average age was 33, he says. The situation is almost always the same. It only occurs in men and it only occurs in their sleep. The report is they cry out and die or are found dead the next morning. Wow. Standard autopsies revealed little about the deaths other than they were caused by a sudden heart stoppage. Huh. Such an occurrence in Asians is mystifying since their rates of ordinary cardiac disease and malfunction are extraordinarily low, primarily due to their low-fat diet. Which is pretty true. Yes. Those that are living outside of America. <laughs> right. But the detailed examinations of the victims' hearts performed by Dr. Frederick Eckner of the University of Illinois College of Medicine turned up something strange. All of the 18 hearts were slightly enlarged, and 17 showed defects in their conduction systems, the array of fibers that carries electronic impulses from the brain to the heart. The fibers were frayed and curled, as if their hearts just shorted out. Weird. So, I mean, if you're thinking about your. Getting so like the fibers that make up your heart, like your heart tissue being like a bunch of like copper wires. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the ends are all like squiggly and frayed. 
like a yeah like like a like a wire that's plastic coated but that's been pulled yeah yeah and you wow. got little copper ends sticking out so their hearts just looked like they fried yeah pretty much yeah it's really fucking creepy and wow you think you'd hear more about that i know the article goes on to say it is Kirshner's theory that something at night, perhaps a random electronic discharge, and yes, perhaps a nightmare even, overloaded these defective hearts, causing sudden deaths. This makes the nightmare death all the more curious since studies of whites who die suddenly has not shown the same defect. I'm pretty sure it's not okay to say whites anymore. <laughs> like, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Do, do, we, do people care? About? I think people care today, probably. It, well, it just, you don't really see that in written print in uh, an article huh, from like yeah. today. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Nevertheless, this, Nevertheless. Was, the, this was the 80s. <laughs> yes. It's a different time. Yes. Well, that's just, it's just kind of funny when you like, read an article from that long ago. Oh, yeah. And it's, you catch these, all these little nuances that you never noticed before, but now you're like, oh, hey. Like, hey, that's... That's kind of old school. That's an old way of saying that. Mm-hmm. That's and a now, racist way of saying right. stuff. <laughs> and now, yeah, even... Even more so these days. It's just like, oh, shit. I can't believe, like, that was okay with people back then. And- right, like... Damn, Oscar Wilde, that was a misogynist-ass rant, dude. Like, calm it down. Oh, man. Kirshner speculates genetics probably plays a large role in the defect. The defect, which may be present from birth. Huh. Nightmare deaths are only found in certain Asian populations. Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, and the Philippines, and Japan. It has not been reported in China. Huh. So this is primarily Southeast Asia and Japan. Yeah, it's interesting. Stress is probably also a factor. Most of the deaths occurred within the first two years after the refugees arrived. So these were all Southeast Asian men who had been refugees. They all came into to the United States. None of them was like born here. Okay, yeah. None of them were like second generation or whatever. No, they were all they had all immigrated to mm-hmm. America. So it was speculated that the strain of leaving home and coming to a strange land was too much for them. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> yeah. It just seems I'm more just like, like mm, it's probably like the conflict that was going on for I mean, we're talking nineteen eighty three, so this article is written in nineteen eighty seven, but the deaths have been going on since nineteen eighty three. If these are all men that are refugees, okay, like probably affected by the shit going on in Cambodia, the fucking Vietnam War, which was like a long time. Yeah. There's all sorts of just fucked up regimes and not people that they come in and couldn't be handle moving to america yeah that seems very <laughs> dismissive almost i know well see like this is what i'm saying like i think that would like not fly if you were writing this article today <laughs> or maybe that's just through the lens of today i think it is through the lens of today but just kind of like, oh, they just missed home. That must be like, why are they fucking dying in their goddamn sleep? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be it. I wonder if this has happened other places. And we just don't know about it. Possible. Like, have other groups of people that have been 
in extreme long-term like war situations and genocide survivors is this something that happens to all of them and we just don't hear about it or maybe it's because like they said with their diet generally speaking this particular group of people are in better health than maybe a lot of others that would that this would have happened to just in general but if they were in better health that seems all that much crazier that they would just suddenly die like that. I agree. And so since they're in better health, there's less shit wrong with them. So they could easily more easily pinpoint this particular. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. That so there was no other cause of death. Right. Like instead of being someone from the West who's led a lifestyle of eating fatty foods and smoking and drinking, as opposed to eating what you can to get by and, you know, whatever kind of existence they led in a war-torn country. And in Japan, it wouldn't have been, the Japanese wouldn't have been all that war-torn. It's not at the Japan time. Japan no. in the 70s was just Japan in the 70s. There was nothing, nothing like that going on there, but still. They have a healthy lifestyle. Healthier lifestyle, at least, than, than the West. Except all the stress and drinking and smoking. But, yes. But the food that they eat is healthier, I guess. I guess they don't add on to it by eating total, like, crap American food. Exactly. And so and so maybe that's... So, yeah, I can see where it's it's easier to identify the anomaly of it, the yeah. oddness of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he read this article and... <laughs> and so, okay, so, you know, doctor goes on to say that, you know, oh, hey, it's so stressful and, and to come in and live with, in America and learn our ways. <laughs> yeah. The article ends with the doctor saying uh, that the incidence appears to be dropping off and maybe that's because they're becoming more comfortable here in America. And it ends with stating that there is little that can be done to prevent nightmare death, given present knowledge. Right. That's what Dr. Kirshner says. He also says the best you can try to do is try to teach CPR to relatives who are at high risk, but that's about it. People have to sleep. Yeah. Which is pretty true. That's the truth. You can't not sleep. Unfortunately, no. No matter how hard you try. No matter who's going to fucking kill you in your nightmares, you can't. You got to sleep. You got to sleep. And that that's a scary thing for me with Nightmare on Elm Street, because sleep really fucks with me sometimes. Like, it freaks me out that I have to be so dead to the world like that stuff can happen to you while you're sleeping and you don't know it but you can't not do it you have to do it it's so not you like... have to take these times where you're just so vulnerable and it's not like a choice you're not you're not right. becoming vulnerable by choice you're not drinking too much right you're exactly. by necessity making yourself vulnerable mm -hmm, because your body like has to because have it. your body and brain has to do it yeah and i don't like that very much i wish i could do it more i wish i i could do it more for sure because i'm fucking tired yeah yeah no i shit. just don't like the vulnerability of it and when you think about stuff like that and especially if you're having like nightmares like you're kind of victim to that too but also at the same time on the outside you're you're uh, so now you vulnerable, didn't... and I mean, imagine if somebody was trying to kill you in your sleep, okay? So now you and you have couldn't to worry. like not sleep. It's you... not like you. It's not like going like, oh, I'm just not going to go down that alley anymore on exactly. my way to work. 
you, you can't, have to go down you, the alley because that's have, the only way mm-hmm. to work. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty awful. Pretty awful. What do you got? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, the first one I have here is the movie Open Water. Okay. It came out in 2003. I've actually never seen it. I have not seen it either. I've heard of it, but I... Other than the title being familiar, I got nothing. What's it about? Quoted from IMDb. A couple on a holiday in the Caribbean decide to spend the day on a scuba diving trip. But was it the wrong decision? When a miscount happens on the boat, Susan and Daniel are left behind in the middle of the ocean, the boat long gone. With all of their hopes set on the boat coming back to rescue them, they try to keep themselves safe, especially when sharks start to appear. So that actually sounds pretty scary. I don't know if the movie is any good or not. Sharks are always scary. Yes. Yes, they're they're dangerous. I'm never not afraid of sharks. I am not afraid of sharks right now. No, I'm not afraid of them either. I'm just saying the thought of sharks always makes me scared. There is never a situation like some crazy, unrealistic situation that I think of in my mind where I encounter a shark and I'm not afraid. Right. Where it makes it better. Yeah. Right. On January 25th, 1998, Eileen and Tom Lonergan were heading out to St. Crispin's Reef, a part of the Great Barrier Reef off the northeast coast of Australia. This is a popular tourist destination, and they were with a group of 26 people that were scuba diving. It's popular for sharks, too. It is. All is well and good, and the group left Port Douglas, Queensland, did some scuba diving, and returned. On January 27th, the scuba boat skipper Jeffrey Nairn found an anomalous bag on the scuba boat. He looked inside to find passports and wallets belonging to passengers that had been taken out two days previous. Well, that's no good. A search is immediately launched by both sea and air. Everyone with a boat or a plane helped look for the couple for three days. No bodies were ever found, but the couple was presumed dead anyway. Diary pages were leaked to the press that painted the picture of a depressed and suicidal Tom, but his family said that the pages were taken out of the context, and that was not the case. The likely scenario is a pretty grim one. The couple dove under the water to take a look at reef stuff, and were probably under for a good amount of time. A typical dive will last around 40 minutes. When they surfaced and looked around, they would have been met with the terrifying sight of the ocean and just the ocean. No boat, just the ocean. Hmm... February of that year, a woman's wetsuit washed up on a beach in northern Queensland. It was the same size and brand of Eileen's, and was ripped in a manner consistent with a body washing against coral. I imagine that would rip something up pretty good. Coral's really hard. Oh, hard and sharp, yeah. It ripped yeah. it up the, the back and on the side. But it was ripped in a way, it looked like coral. Okay. 
but like her body had been like up against it they're and, not sure because all in a they violent f- manner or they're not sure because all they found was this suit rip okay in june more stuff washed ashore including inflatable dive jackets with their names on it and a dive slate a dive slate is a device used to write messages underwater either for communication or note-taking purposes sometimes it can be just this waterproof paper that can be written on with a regular old everyday pencil. Nowadays, it's probably more an electronic thing. There was a note written on this dive slate, quote, To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on Agincourt Reef, Reef 25, January 1998, 3 p.m. Please help us come to rescue us before we die. Help. What? So they wrote a note and maybe just threw it to the waves, hoping that... Well, the two of them are just alone in the ocean? Yeah. What else are you going to do? Well, how You're far out were they? Far enough out that they couldn't see land. Wow. 75 miles from Port Douglas is where the jackets and the dive slate were found. I'm not sure exactly how far out to ocean they were but they were on the great barrier reef great barrier reef is pretty big pretty big theories as to what happened ranged from murder suicide to faking their deaths to start a new life all the stuff that washed ashore pointed towards the couple dying from exposure to the elements and not some kind of animal attack so just your regular hanging out breathing not drinking any water because you don't have any and you can't because you're in yeah you're in the middle water. of the sea and there's bright sun yep. and you have no and it's reflecting too uh yeah yeah just no food no water dehydrated sitting in the water eventually succumbing to delirium and Aww. probably taking things off for some reason and then mercifully at that point dying probably uh that's a terrible way to go Nairn was charged with unlawful killing, but was found not guilty. The company, Outer Edge, pled guilty to negligence and went under. This case caused Australia to impose stricter regulations on the diving industry. So they had to, like, count and double count people when they were taking them out and stuff like that. Well, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that in the first place, for God's sakes. You, it's you don't your, count people. When, I guess when it's your job and you're constantly taking them out and it's just routine to you, you just. I guess so. I mean, you just miss people. And sometimes it takes something like that for people to be like, oh, this can happen. This could happen. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many times you do it. You need to check it off each and every, every time. Every single time you count and make sure everyone is there. And now they have to. Yeah, because look what fucking happened. Exactly. What you got next? Have you ever seen Wolf Creek? I don't think so. That's a scary one. Is it? It's the one that's in the Australian Outback. You know... And it's the backpackers, and they go to that guy's... They have truck, their car breaks down or something like that. And then this guy gives him a ride and he's kind of like this crocodile Dundee type. Just like, oh, hi, 
Yeah. You need a rod. And then he takes them back to his junkyard where he's going to like fix their car or something. And he drugs them. And when they wake up, he has them all like tied up. And I think I actually have seen that. Does all these like fucked up things to them. And oh, it's a terrifying one. I think I think I have seen that. I just don't rem- remember it very well. It's really scary because one of them doesn't drink as much. And so she kind of like comes to before she's supposed to, I think. Before he can like secure her like he's already got like a couple of her friends secured, but not her yet. So that sounds familiar, I think, although, I mean, all of that stuff is sort of a a common trope, if you will, in in these horror movies. But it does sound familiar. It was just one that was. I think it was particularly well-made and scary. Yeah. And just the fact he was like, he was like an evil Steve Irwin, crocodile Dundee type. And I guess what's even scarier is that. Which made it like super fucked up because he seemed like, so like, like boisterous and typical outback guy. Cause they're foreigners. They're, they're there for a backpacking thing and totally whatever. So they're just kind of like, Oh my God, get a kick out of this guy. And so I guess and he actually just turns to be out to be a sadistic murderer. And it makes it all the scarier because since we're talking about it today, that must mean that. Right. This is based off of uh, some things that happened in Australia. One thing I'm going to point out is one of the worst parts of the movie is when he. The guy gets one of the people and he says, have you ever played head on a stick? And at that moment, like, puts this giant knife in her that severs her spine. Oh. So now she's paralyzed. He's like, yeah, head on a stick. Huh. <laughs> it's just so fucked up. So fucked oh, up. So she's still, so the thing is, she's still alive. She's still but alive. He's paralyzed her. But he's now paralyzed her by severing her spinal cord. But at that point, like. With his big knife. Yeah, but at that point, now she can't feel any of the pain. So what's the point of really torturing it's still mental torture. It's still oh, terrifying yeah, that true. it's fucking happening to you. I guess that's true. But and at that point, powerless it's like to do anything. Yeah, you're not. I mean, but the terror that you would be eh, feeling at that point, what do you got to lose? You're just like waiting like, oh, you're going to kill me. I really hope so, because otherwise I'm just fucking fucked for life because of you. So, right. It's just I think it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's just a bad move on his point, but whatever. That's fine. All right. Well, let's get to the real deal here. (laughs) This movie was based on what's known as the Bangalore State Forest Backpacker Murders. And this happened in the early 90s in Australia. The murderer was this guy, Ivan Millat, or Millet. He grew up in a fairly fucked up family. (laughs) <laughs> I just realized he has the same birthday as my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think the, the year's wrong slightly, but December 27th, 1944 is oh. when he was born. His parents were Croatian immigrants. His father had a bit of a temper, probably an alcohol problem, I'd imagine. It was the 1940s, so. He was one of 14 children. Mm. Number five. Wow. 13 siblings. So number five out of 13. You're not very memorable if you're the five fifth, out of are 14. You? Five out of 14. Five out of 14. Okay, well, still. There was four before you and nine after. Yeah, so. those ones in the middle are the <laughs> ones you forget about. It's just the first few remember you remember and the last few you remember. I mean, how would I know? I don't have any, but still. 
I'm guessing. <laughs> he grew up outside Sydney, Australia. He was basically just a psychopath from the get-go. Oh, good. The type where he was, like, a shit as a kid, and by the time he was, like, in his teens, he was in juvenile court, theft, assault. Just from as soon as he could walk. Yeah, just trouble from the get-go and just didn't give a fuck about it. Right. At age 26 in 1971, he was charged with raping two female backpackers, but was acquitted, I guess. Okay. Just not a good case made by the prosecution, and I don't know. All right. Justice was not served. No, no. It would be the same with two other women in 1977, where he was charged again. I guess, actually, he wasn't even actually charged. They, like, brought him in on the attempted rape and and possibly murder, but they never even charged him this time, but there's a police record of it. I see. So that time he didn't even get charged and go to trial and get acquitted. They just never even fucking charged him. They're just like, oh, we just don't have enough to even it's arrest like, you for whatever. Okay. Like, we're going to bring you in. Like, this is what you were accused of. Oh, okay, you say you didn't do it. Well, we don't have anything on you further. Okay, so I guess well. You can go now. We got our eye on you. <sighs> Starting after these unsuccessful attempts to, I guess, get him in jail for being a fucking piece of shit rapist. There are reports of missing backpackers, which went on for some years. All right. Years. 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 So we're talking like a backpacker here, a backpacker there. 1989 was the first one that I think got some actual ten attention. It was a teenage couple Ooh. that went missing. And from that point on, the first victim was actually found in 1992. Oh. The next morning, another body was found. It was just 98 feet from the first one. 90 feet? 98. 98 feet. They were identified as Carolyn Clark and Joanne Walters. They were from, they were British. And it had been months since they had been seen. They'd been missing for several months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Clark had been blindfolded, marched into the bush, and shot ten times in the head. Jesus Christ. From what they could gather, it seemed as if she had been used for target practice. Well, that's just charming. Joanne Walters was stabbed 14 times. Four times in the chest. Once in the neck. And nine times in the back, which ultimately severed her spine. Wow. They searched and searched for more victims. Because obviously a crime like this doesn't seem, you know, doesn't really come out of nowhere. Right. Normally there's some kind of escalation or, or something. People don't usually kill what, and they were foreigners too, so... 
obviously it's assumed that this is a stranger killing. Right. Not a killing of somebody that you know and are close to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those things just don't happen overnight. That kind of killing somebody like that doesn't evolve overnight with someone. So Take some time. They made some pretty massive efforts to continue to search what I'm assuming is a pretty big state park out there. Yeah. And find more bodies. 1993 is when that would happen. It was a teenage couple. They had gone missing in 1989. So this is like five years later. And I believe it was that first one, that first missing case, one that was kind of on the radar. Yeah, yeah. It was Deborah Everest and James Gibson. They were both 19 years old. James had stab wounds all over his body and his spine had also been severed and his lungs punctured. Wow. It seemed like these stab, I mean, it wasn't like crazy stab wound, like frenzied. I mean, they seemed like stab wounds that were meant to really fuck someone up. Yeah. Let's deflate your lung. Let's stab you right in the lung. Let's sever your spine. Yeah, they were, they were calculated. It looked like. And that's just awful. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it points to torture. Deborah Everest had her head fractured and jaw broken and had been stabbed once in the back. I'm going to guess probably in her spine. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good guess. One month later, they found a skeleton. A skeleton? A skeleton. Probably been out there a while, I imagine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It seems like a skeleton doesn't, another thing that just doesn't happen overnight. Well, I mean, I guess you're right about that. You're right about that. I guess if you treat it the right way, you can make it a skeleton pretty quick. But yes, but under very specific circumstances, sure. The remains were identified as Simone Schmidl, age 21. She was a German backpacker. Her spine had also been severed. Hmm. So they're pretty much thinking that uh, it's probably the same dude or the same person that's done all of this. Right. I'm I'm thinking they're probably seeing a pattern in all of this. They would soon find two more bodies, and these were also German backpackers. Gabor Nugebauer and Anja Habscheid. Or Habscheid. I'm not sure how to pronounce 21 and 20 years old. They had been missing for two years. The girl, Anja, had had her head cut off, but so they only found her body, body. Like they never, they never found her skull. And then Gabor also looked as if he had been used for target practice. Wow. Like that other six, six gunshots to the head. Jesus. So, yeah, really just. Pretty brutal. Pretty fucking brutal. You're just out backpacking with your boyfriend and in a beautiful state park. And this, this God knows what happens. This fucking guy comes along and you know what's freaky. So the guy in the movie is pretty terrifying and they did a really good job. He looks a lot like the actual serial killer. Oh, really? Did. Yeah. 
This isn't one where they completely like reimagined it. Yeah, no, they were um, just like here. This here guy it is. is pretty on point with how the real guy looked, and it's just it's terrifying. It's just terrifying. Is it the type of guy that you look at and you're like, "Fuck, that guy's gonna kill me." Well, he doesn't look outwardly that scary, but oh. I, I guess he's very big and strong looking. I see. I see. And kind of swarthy. Yeah. But. Again, kind of like how it is in the movie where you just think he's just, you know, some one of those crazy Australian guys. that's just a little like, yeah, just tougher and, and yeah, wilder than the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> than the rest of us Westerners. So but, you know, not. A fucking psycho who's going to kill you in a totally fucked up way for his own amusement. Right. Yeah. No. And then probably when he had that face on, I'm sure he was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he was fucking terrifying. Well, obviously, they're pretty, looking pretty hard and, and trying to find out, like, who the fuck this guy is. Because clearly, yeah, okay, now, for sure, yeah, you found the first they found two. They a shitload of bodies. <laughs> and now, yes, as they suspected, there was a ton more. A guy named Paul Thomas Onions. Paul Thomas Onions. British. You'd have to be. Oh, yeah. Name like that. <laughs> <laughs> He told police about being attacked by a man while he was in the forest. He was he was hitchhiking and this guy picked him up or he was just hiking. And this I think this was prior to when they found the bodies like this was before they found the first couple of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy comes to the police and says. This guy offered me a ride. I got in the car and then I got this like weird vibe from him. He pulls over in the forest along the road and pulls out a knife and a rope. And I guess the guy just bolted. <laughs> yeah, it's smart. Or maybe a gun and a rope. And yeah, he just bolted. He didn't like freeze in fear or like, you know, don't move or I'm going to kill you. Just which, kick that door open and just, got yeah, the fuck out of Dodge. Get that door open and go because, you know, they're going to fucking kill you anyway. Yeah. If they have you in a car and they pull out a gun, it's just like, you know, you may as well just go. You may as well just try at least. Yeah, they're not going to let you go. They're not going to let you go. You've seen their face. It's, it's over. When he reported this to the police, they kind of shrugged it off. Wow. Yeah. But I think over the course of their investigation, when they're trying to figure out who the fuck is this guy, they see maybe this report. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, because they flew him back to Australia to look at pictures. Right. And and Millet was Millet was in there on their radar because of like the rape and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they showed him like one of like, I think, like 13 or so pictures, dozen pictures, and he picked Millet out of a lineup. Oh, OK. There was also a woman who claimed to have been attacked and almost killed by a man in the forest. Oh, really? This was way back in 1977. So this is around the time that, you know, he's raping women and getting away with it. Yeah. She had said the man had black scraggly hair. And I think that probably they came across her report, too. Because we're talking, we're skipping forward to like 1989. Yeah, 1977. yeah. She was shown a bunch of photos, too, including Millet, and also picked him out. So he had two people who claimed that, like, some guy tried to kill them in the woods, and they both picked this guy, so... Wow, all right. I think that was finally enough to... Wait a second. <laughs> Maybe 
just maybe there's something to this. This is 1994 when they finally get the search warrant and everything. Wow. They go into his house and arrest him, and then there's just a shitload of evidence, like so many of the items that the backpackers had. Yeah, he just kept tons of shit. He just kept tons of their shit. It was even hidden in his walls. He had it, like, walled up. And, yeah, all his trophies. Because I guess he shared a house with his sister or something, so maybe he had to not have all of it, like, just out there, obviously. Yeah, his sister's like, like where's where all these this two backpacks stuff? from? Why did he why do you keep coming back with two backpacks? Right? Is like, this blood right here? <laughs> why? What's your weird obsession with men's and women's backpacks? I told you I don't like hiking. You're not gonna convince me. No matter how many backpacks you bring home. Although the pink one's cute. Other evidence found was cartridges, electrical tape, uh that was I guess at the same as found at some of the scenes probably that he you know used to like bind them up with dummy's guide to how to sever a spine oh god just so awful yeah it doesn't sound at all pleasant in any way shape or form one of the items was some indonesian currency he'd never been there but one of the guys had yeah that he'd uh killed the what the the guy that he used for target, target practice. practice. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. So they found they they got to his house and found all of the evidence they needed to put his ass away. They found one of the girls' sleeping bags. Oh. I mean, dude. Right. Yeah. Man. So gun cartridges, uh, stuff to bind people with, a uh, victim's sleeping bag, currency they were carrying. A few backpacks. Yeah, just... Mm-hmm. Murder kit and trophies of past victims. Fortunately, this time, with all this evidence, they managed to not fuck up. Really? And he was convicted. Wow. And convicted for life, which is pretty heavy in Australia. Yeah, goddamn. I didn't think they did that. I think only for people like this. Yeah, I guess you got you got to fuck up to get you got to you got to really be for sure like no questions, uh, no question about it. If you get out of prison, you're going to start murdering people again. Did he live in the woods or just? No, he lived in a house. He just went out and hunted them. That's yeah. Basically, that, that is the sort of thing that is. He would kidnap them, uh, sever their spines, use them as target practice. Detrimental to society. Yeah, there's no I don't think there's any evidence that he ever took them out of the forest back to his home or anything. They just no, found they just found just... all his loot from when he did kill them in the forest. Fucking what a psychopath. You know, what's even freakier? What's that? His great nephew also killed somebody in the forest. Really? Yeah. And like it happened in 2012. Matthew Millet. Great nephew. He goes out with his friend named Cohen Klein and they murdered their classmate, oh. uh, David Octorlani. It was his 17th birthday, the kid's 17th fucking birthday. Wow. And it was the same place, the same forest that old Ivan hunted all those people in. And were they trying to get the to, to Slenderman's <laughs> mansion too, or? 
I don't know what the fuck motivated this, but they killed they killed him with an axe. Jesus. They killed him with a fucking axe in the forest, in the same forest as great uncle, like, tortured and killed people. And given 43 and 32 year sentences. Good. Yes. Very good. I'm kind of. I guess since they only they only killed the one. I feel like they should have given his great nephew life, too. Like, I don't know. It's like, what's wrong with you? Just a genetic predisposition to. Right. I guess they're trying to be objective and be like, you're just like any other axe murderer on their first one. You just don't know if it's going to happen a second time. Right. And they're just hoping they keep him away long enough so they can't swing a fucking axe next time. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, 43 years, they were teenager. He was a teenager, though. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I know some pretty burly 60 and 70 year old men that could definitely be capable of murder. Still, I think. I don't. Yeah. They're not murdery people, but they're just in good enough shape. I'm like, I, I bet you you could kill somebody. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> I still feel like if they take a fall, it could be the end. All I know is that Wolf Creek was already a really terrifying movie. And I I kind of knew that it was based on something that happened. But once I actually like reading about it, like all the spine severing. Oh, yeah. What's up with it? That's just it just I mean, it happened the once in the movie. And that was like the worst part about the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, this this was actually a thing that this guy did. Like that was one of his things is severing people's spines. I guess it's easier to sever a spine than tie someone's legs. Oh, my God. That's just. It's just so depraved and awful. It is. It is. It is severely fucked up. Severely fucked up. Yeah. I didn't know it was possible. I mean, Hollywood is pretty good at playing shit up. But this is one where it's like, wow, they actually kind of toned it down a little bit, I think. (laughs) Even Hollywood was like, Jesus, (laughs) guys. It was just the one group. It didn't, you know, it wasn't a movie about several groups and several killings. Like some of them will do that. Just like how many people can we torture and kill in a 90 minute time period? It was just the one, and that that made it pretty terrifying. But yeah, just the fact that was, but that the was real enough. one was like, oh wow, yeah, okay. Thanks for not getting into that more. <laughs> yeah. What's next for you? Let's talk about the movie Primeval. It came out in two thousand seven. I've never seen it. What's that one about? The IMDb synopsis is TV show star reporter Tim Manfrey and his cameraman, Stephen Johnson, traveled to Burundi to get sensational footage of a giant crocodilian monster which attacked a UN identification team and the Tutsi Hoodoo tribal civil war carnage mass grave corpses it was digging up in a Great Lakes marsh area. But it turns out danger also lurks in the armed form of a local warlord. Oh, so yeah, like the, the Hutu Tutsi genocide shit. You remember that? That happened in Rwanda. Oh, that's that. That's that. Yes. Ah. Yeah. It was the the Hutus went after the Tutsis. Yeah. Okay. And there was some really horrible fucked up genocide going on there. Yeah. Gotta gotta love all the genocide. Just millions, hundreds of thousands, millions killed with machetes. Yes. Oh God, just fucking awful. People are just awful. People are definitely awful. Nile crocodiles are the most common form of crocodile around. They are a freshwater animal, though they can live in saline water. Males are larger than the females and are generally 11.5 to 16.5 feet long, 
and weigh as much as 1,650 pounds. That's three and a half to five meters long and 750 kilograms. Now, are they exclusive to the Nile River or is that just... That's, yes, this particular style, brand... Style of crocodile. Species is lives on the Nile. Nile crocodile, like Lyle crocodile. Do you yes. remember those books? Did you ever read? I, I did not read those books. The Lyle Lyle crocodile books Never. when you were a kid? Oh, Never. it was like about this crocodile named Lyle. It was cool. He must have not been a Nile crocodile because they are quite aggressive predators. And they'll eat pretty much anything. Well, you know what? When you um, make a, any animal and make it like it's a people. <laughs> it takes the aggressive predator out of it. Right, exactly. <laughs> People are pretty aggressive predators. They are. So sometimes we need to make animals into people to calm that are like really down. nice. And <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why trying to make that fantasy work. <laughs> Psychology behind that. So very aggressive. Yeah, I think they, they kill people a lot, crocodiles. They'll, these ones will eat pretty much anything they can catch. Gosh. Uh, they're pretty agile. So their list is a long one. It includes humans. Oh, yeah. Death by crocodile, that would be terrible. Only for a little while. That's true enough, true enough, but terrifying. For, for that little while, it would yeah. totally suck. Herpetology is not the study of herpes, but the study of reptiles and amphibians. One who studies this field is called a herpetologist. The Republic of Burundi is just south of Rwanda and Africa, and is the birthplace of a Nile crocodile that would come to be called... Gustav. Gustav, huh? That's right. The crocodile was named by a herpetologist named Patrice Fay, thought to have been born in 1955 and is believed to be 18 feet long. Wow, that is a big fucking crocodile. And could weigh a ton. 18 feet is five and a half meters, by the way. This is just a guess, the size of the crocodile, of course, because they've never captured it. And he's rumored to have killed around 300 people. Wow. Some characteristics of this giant bastard are three bullet hole scars on his body and a wound of some sort on his right shoulder blade. So he's all scarred up. He's all scarred up and big as fuck. Wow. In 2004, the documentary Capturing the Killer Croc aired on PBS. This documentary was all about the attempts to capture Gustav. They had a two-month window to do it, and it couldn't attract his attention. What? Yep. Is Gustav still running free? As far as we know, they can live to be 100 years old. Holy shit. There are reports that this croc has killed humans and left the bodies. Like he's just killing like for he fun. Just, yeah, he, just, he didn't even want to eat them. Exactly. He just was like, fuck you, you're dead. Normally, a crocodile doesn't have to eat all the time, just eats and can chill for, for, for quite some time. So he's just killing to kill those cold-blooded animals they can really slow their metabolism down yeah and they the it takes them a long time to digest it because they eat them i don't think a crocodile swallows everything whole like a snake does but it's just chunks they don't have much it's to chunks. chew i mean those jaws are definitely like rip bone and yeah shit like that in oh there. yeah it is also claimed that he took down a hippopotamus holy crap which would be big if true Hippos are basically crocodile kryptonite. 3,000 pounds, 1,360 kilograms of croc-hating rage. 
and hippos will kill people all the time too oh yeah these those they're not even like oh yay hippos hate crocodiles so maybe they'll like save the human no they'll they'll kill humans too yeah they'll kill the crocodile and then they'll fucking kill you they're dangerous and they (laughs) should be avoided it's Death bl- by hippo seems really bad. Those tusks. Oh yeah, this mauls oh, the fucking shit out of you. God, yeah, that would be. That's why. Yeah, I mean, no. when they open their mouths wide like that, and I think of like some hippo coming at me in the, in the Nile River. Just and you like, just that's think a no for me. You're just a watermelon. Oh man. Or a yeah pumpkin or whatever. And it's, and it's gonna basically tear you apart like you're without blind. even trying. Ah uh, yeah, that that's all the reasons I'm like yeah, boating on the Nile River. I think I'll skip it. Well, if he is, in fact, going for this large prey like like hippos, it's believed that it's because his mobility is all compromised. Probably from the wounds, probably also the, for the fact that he's just huge. Going to have some problems moving around. Yeah, he probably can't catch things like fish or birds because he's, you know, he's just he's too he's slow. Too, he's too yeah. fat and slow. <laughs> The most recent alleged sighting of Gustav was in June of 2015. It was reported that he pulled an adult buffalo into a river. Wow, like one of those water buffalo things in yes. Africa? Holy shit. Yes. With like the, the horns and oh my gosh. Yep. And the flies. So that's... That's that's pretty fucking crazy. That's pretty fucking crazy. 1955. They say that Crocodiles will sometimes get that large, but it's normally closer to the end of their lifespan, and they're usually missing many teeth at that point. Mm. And that's normally around 100 years old. Okay. So that means that he's still growing. Wow. Yeah. So that's, he's probably going to die naturally before that because he's just not going to be able to function, just like. A person with gigantism. And they have no idea why he's so big. Haven't caught him. Can't tell. And the reason that that documentary only had such a small period of time was because there was going to be a government change in the area. Mm. And that government change, they just, it wasn't going to be safe there because they weren't sure if it was going to plunge the area into civil war uh, or what. Well, that I mean, that's. That's kind of what it's like out there, and that's yeah. just awful. Yeah, that's terrible. It's something that just just keeps on happening Yeah, <laughs> over and over yeah. again, and it's just, oh, It's not great. It isn't. It isn't. That's a, it's a terrible life to have to live with that kind of oh, yeah. stress and uncertainty. I... I would not be surprised if the nightmare death happened there. Yeah, yeah, probably. I'd love to find that out because, yeah. Yeah. Talk about a, a group of people in an area of the country that have suffered some awful hardships. For a long time. A long, long time. And let's move on to your last one. This is my last one. It's also about a crocodile. Oh, wow. This is the story that inspired Inspired, I guess, the movie Eaten Alive. Have you heard of it? I haven't heard of it. Well, I'm sure you've heard of another one that was directed by the same guy, Toby Hooper. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre was another one of his movies. Oh, yes. I have heard of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I actually haven't seen it, though. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. That's one of Leatherface, right? That's Leatherface. Yeah, I have not seen any of those movies. I think I've seen parts of them, but I don't think I've actually sat down and watched any of them. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, like, fucking terrifying. Is it really? It is really actually terrifying. I mean, Leatherface coming at you with a fucking chainsaw. I mean, I'm sorry. That's horrible. You don't want anyone coming at you with a chainsaw. No. To be perfectly. And it's one of those kind of like hills have eyes situations where it's like this, you know, like fucked up family in the middle of nowhere. And you yeah. somehow end up getting kidnapped to their fucked up house where you're on their turf and trying to make your escape from being horribly murdered. Yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, God. All I remember from that movie is just that it was, like, so bad. Not, like, bad, bad, but just just so awful and violent that I just right. was like, I never want to watch that again. Like, well, that was, that was enough. Like, you're really fucked up, Rob Zombie. <laughs> you're a fucking fucked up dark person there. I just don't really find gore and horror or overly interesting it doesn't really bother me that much for me it has to have like a context and a story to it for it to matter when it's just like horribly graphic and overdone and there's not really a whole lot of point to it i mean a lot of these murders obviously are super pointless but because murder pretty much always is but it doesn't even have to be a deep point but just have to have a point like an evil dead the con- and Evil Dead 2, all the blood. That's fine. Right. There's a point. It's not a great point, but there's a reason behind it. <laughs> right. Right. It's not just how do we put a group of people in a situation where we get to see them like tortured to death one by one. Like the first hostile. Yeah, it's just I mean, that was gruesome as fuck, but I mean it had it had the storyline and it had well, the Well, and, and even it- that wasn't it was more implied violence than anything. Mm-hmm. It was and then more the like, saw, what, like you know, it's the same thing. You'd yeah. see they'd, they'd set it up. They'd be like, this is what's going to happen. You'd get to the point where you would almost see the thing happen. And then it would cut away and you'd see the thing happening in like a shadow or you'd see blood and you'd hear a scream and it would go back and you'd see whatever the thing was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, that's so terrifying. But it's not really because you never actually see the thing. Now, if you actually saw the thing, some of it, you see the story. thing. You see some things in Hostel, but all I the assume... all the subsequent ones kind of lost all the storyline, and it's like, oh, here we are, just to like kill and torture more people. Like, right? It, it was just there was like no story, involved. no story. They just uh, set up kill, set up kill, set up kill. Exactly, exactly. So I hate the set up kill ones, but something with an actual story behind it. Right. I can I can accept that. Hmm. Well, let's get back to his lesser-known movie of Eaten Alive. <laughs> yes. Wait, is Eaten Alive the one where the cover is like a guy grabbing his mouth and opening it, and there's a skeleton? Or is that Dead Alive? I'm pretty sure that's Dead Alive. I think that's Dead Alive. <laughs> All right, sorry, carry on. The movie is set in Texas, and it's about uh, this guy named Judd who is a murderer, basically. He he runs a hotel, and he likes to kill people and feed them to his pet alligator. Okay. 
Now, people in the town believe it's actually a Nile crocodile. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah. So, and it has all these, like, you know, old, like, curses and stuff associated with it. Okay, that is definitely not the cover. It's definitely Dead Alive I was thinking of. (laughs) The cover of this movie is amazing. Have you seen the cover of this movie? For... For for Eating Eating Alive, Alive. yes. This is a badass cover. He's, it's it's like a Nintendo game, like a NES game from 1984 or something. He Man versus or an Atari game or something. So on the cover, it's just this giant crocodile with long, sharp teeth, and there's some dude riding it with a whip, with a whip, with a whip, and it's just awesome. Oh no, it's not a whip; it's a scythe. That's what it is. Oh, okay. I thought it was a whip. But it's good. Meet the maniac and his friend. Anyway, sorry. Continue. The movie itself is. Kind of like, you know, like, oh, naked chick shot like a titty shot and a lot of screaming. And oh, yeah, it's it's not the greatest. I haven't seen it myself, but I read some reviews, so it was pretty cheese. But. It was kind of 50-50, the reviews on it. Some some say it was, like, super classic. Others, it's like it was over-the-line over cheese, but... So probably a cult classic. Yeah, something like that. And definitely not as well-known as uh, freaking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, no. Definitely not. But that one was pretty fairly good, so I imagine this one could be... I would... It was, I, I think... It's more like what we were saying, though, like kind of like a setup kill, setup kill type of movie. Oh, yeah. I'm like sure. I run this hotel like, oh, you need a room, miss. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, horror. Now, porn. now you're now you're fucking now you're naked and dead. And now I'm going to feed you to my fucking crocodile. Right. Here you go. The story that is based on is. Pretty weird. I guess that's a word you could use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This took place in Elmendorf, Texas, in the 1930s. This guy named Joe Ball, he had a, like a nightclub type of thing. During Prohibition, he was kind of bootlegging out of it and served alcohol, all that good stuff. When Prohibition ended, he kept it as just like a regular fucking bar. Yeah, because he could. Because, because yeah, yeah, now now you can. It was it was called the Sociable Inn. Sociable Inn. Mm-hmm. The snappy name. He did have alligators, which he kept in an enclosure that was <laughs> next to next to the bar slash saloon slash whatever. Sure, sure. I'm almost feeling like this is like Porky's, except with alligators and not pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chompies. Because it was like really like totally crazy there i mean people just getting drunk and doing all sorts of things apparently he would like he would feed like cats and dogs the fucking alligators in front of like the patrons and god everyone would just be like drunk and egging it on and and other things i'm sure like probably like kittens and stuff i mean who the fuck knows oh probably probably he was just like a fucking dick and it's just like hey who wants to see me throw this cat in here to the alligators and it's just fucking awful probably a trash human yeah just a total trash human it's the 30s probably 
you know, there's still like the depression going on. World War Two hasn't hit and, and there's no uptake in the economy. Oh, yeah. And, yet. and that area, at least people had their alcohol back. Like, yeah, but. <laughs> at least. And it was when you were in the in the deep south, then it was it was the middle of nowhere. And that was probably also a problem. You had your alcohol back. Yeah. And didn't even have to try and hide it or anything. Nope. It was just like full on enjoying it. But yeah. Full on go time. Mm hmm. At his establishment, he had a waitress or two. Because usually you need one when you're running a bar and you're busy throwing yeah. live animals to your fucking alligator. Somebody, yeah, somebody's got to keep the drinks going. Exactly. He kind of had a thing for dating the women who worked for him. Poor women. Yes, especially since several of them were never seen again after starting employment and allegedly relations. Yeah. With old Joe Ball. You giggle at the wrong time and you are alligator food, I'm sure. You're done, Missy. The first was waitress Minnie Goddard. They called her Big Minnie. Big Minnie. Big Minnie. That's such a 1930s, like, nickname. Yeah, it is. He did marry one of them. Her name was Dolores. Very 30s name. A very, yeah. <laughs> her name was Dolores, and she ends up getting in a car accident and having her arm amputated from the car accident. What the fuck? But this will come into play later on. Like, people will start to speculate that she had to cut off her arm and was fed to these alligators. Oh, it it just doesn't help with with what kind of unfolds next. OK, I understand. Yeah. Another waitress who went missing was 22 year old Hazel Brown. Hazel Brown, Hazel Brown. Oh, my gosh. Jesus I just got that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Now, his wife kind of goes up missing and falls off the grid. His one-armed wife. Right. These two waitresses go missing over the period of a couple of years. Police are kind of starting to get a little suspicious, especially given the goings-on right. over there. It's yeah. just like, where's your wife? Where, where, are they, where are these two girls that were working for you, and now they're nowhere to be found, and like probably their families were... Like confused like, and concerned hey, like, and just like she started working at this one place and then we never heard from her again and no one's been living at her house. And yeah, prompted by authorities, they come to question him and he says, look, I'll, I'll tell you whatever I want. I just want to have one last drink at my bar. And they're just like, oh, OK, Joe, go ahead. Right. Except they wouldn't say that's that's like a that's like an East accent. That's a. That's a Northeast accent. Yeah, but still. They'd be like, sure, you go on there, buddy. <laughs> better, better. That's better. Pretty bad, but. He goes behind the bar, has his drink. He pulls a gun out of the cash register and shoots himself in the fucking heart and oh, dies. Wow. Yes. Damn. So never got like an official confession. No. The wife did come back. 
Oh, what? Yes. She was alive? She was alive. Where she was, was she? Alive. I don't know where she was, but she did come back and was all like, oh, no, I'm okay. I she just have my probably... one. I don't know if she had like the one arm before or the fact that she just had one after they got married, but before she disappeared. But anyways, she came back. But the other two girls, they found they did find remains on the property. Some of which were in a barrel. There's no actual evidence that he fed them to his crocodile, but that's kind of like the town talk. Yeah, the word around the campfire, if you will. Now, this is the best part. I mean, none of this is is best because it's real and it's fucked up. But he had a handyman. Clifford Wheeler was Clifford Wheeler, the, the handyman. saloon handyman. And he confessed to helping Joe Ball murder the two waitresses and dispose of the body. Huh. Well, I'll be damned. Mm-hmm. So the they... first one, Big Minnie, I guess, was pregnant and told him about it. So probably knocked her up. Yeah. And yeah. He was just, that's the way he chose to deal with it. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't having none of that. And then probably the, the next one, the 22 year olds, I mean, he probably had a thing for her and who knows, she probably rejected him because he's just like gross and awful, an awful person. I would never date a guy that would do that. Throwing cats to alligators. No. Like, uh, fuck you. No. Fuck you. I would hope not. No one should date a guy that, if he throws baby animals to alligators dump him definitely dump dating him. advice from nate <laughs> or her it's fine or whatever right, right just anyone that wants to be mean and cruel to animals in general if a person is throwing animals to other animals like that dump them Yes. It's obviously fine if they're, you know, feeding their snake or something, but not if they're feeding kittens to crocodiles. Yes, that's terrible. No one should do that ever. We call that a red flag. Mm-hmm. I get a whole bouquet of them every few years or so, I think. Red flags or kittens? Red flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here's a dozen red flags for you, miss. It's like, oh... I love you. Oh, this is the best. This is the best ever. We should go out. Mm -hmm. Nah. Yeah. That's me, right? Although there's no direct evidence that this guy fed the victims to alligators. Pretty fucked up. I just, yeah, I just I can't mean, imagine the, the fucking handyman is just what gets me that like, oh, helping his boss. I just see a guy like in the overalls, like with like the one strap undone. Yeah. And like he's like shirtless under the overalls. And he's got like a wrench in his hand. And Breezy. it's just like, you, Clifford, get over here. Fucking help me with this. <laughs> and he's got like a piece of straw in his mouth and like. Yeah. Just does it. Just does it. It's like, dude, you just can't make that shit up. 1930s, different time. It was indeed a different time. Well, that's that's the end of my stories. Do you have one more? All right. Well, the last one for this episode will be The Exorcism of Emily Rose. She came out in 2005 from IMDb. A lawyer takes on a negligent homicide case involving a priest who performed an exorcism on a young girl. This is one of those ones where they're like, oh, hey, 
you totally fucking murdered this chick, but then they look over all the evidence and they're like, oh yeah, maybe she was like really possessed by the devil. Uh, this was not a movie I've seen. I think I've seen parts of it, and that's why I'm kind of convinced that this is the formula. Well, uh, you got it a little bit reversed, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Annalise Michael. Oh, they believe it, but then it, it gets proven as fake? Yeah, more or less. All right. Uh, but she has a seizure at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, she is, this, is all, this all takes place in West Germany. And she gets diagnosed with psychosis caused by temporal lobe epilepsy, which is the most common form of epilepsy. Are we talking like movie or real thing here? This is the real thing. Okay. I think I've, I've heard some stuff about the real thing. Yes. Well, you're going to hear more. I remember the, re the recordings because you know, she spoke German. Yes. Mm -hmm. she, yeah, that's when she was like allegedly possessed. And well, she's, she's speaking in her devil voice. Well, she, yeah, she's also German. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that speak, makes sense. They speak that German makes sense, there. But it, it was just <laughs> unusual, like the. Oh, in the movie. No, just oh. in like I watched a documentary. On oh, it, I see. I okay. hear like the recordings and was, right. like, yeah. I'm pretty sure the movie was in English. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, later on, she was diagnosed with depression. And four years after the initial seizure, she began to hear voices and it all escalated to a point where she couldn't be around certain religious objects. She couldn't be around crucifixes. She had a real aversion to all kinds of Christian stuff. Wow. She'd, she was being treated. She's being treated at a psychiatric hospital and she was giving medication for all of her symptoms. So this was just a fucking fistful of pills and no better. She was understandably getting frustrated with all of this medical bullshit when you're trying to get help and no one's helping you, or it seems like they're not even trying, even though maybe they are, it's very frustrating. Well, a family friend ends up taking her to San Damiano, which is an Italian city. This family friend also is someone who would organize religious pilgrimages and shit like that. Of course they were. Well, in this place, there's apparently a holy well that Annalise couldn't drink from or wouldn't drink from. And there was a crucifix in one of the monasteries or something that she couldn't walk past, just could not wa walk past. So this family friend is like, you are fucking possessed, dude. So they think they think she's possessed and and she believes it. She's like, well, that makes so much sense. The medicine's not working, so I must be possessed. Now I get it. It's fucking a demon. It's been a demon this whole time. This you whole guys. time. Exactly. <sighs> so she believes it. The family friend believes it. Her fucking parents doctors these it. days can't fucking diagnose you when you have a fucking demon. They're just like, oh, you're crazy. I know, right? Yeah. And I mean, granted, this was <laughs> at this point, like the 1970s or something. So they weren't really up to scratch with demonology like they are now. Right. They are but, easily able to recognize a demon as by today's standards. Yeah. But everyone around her believed it. And so they decided we're going to do an exorcism. We're going to get you an exorcism. So let's talk a little bit about exorcism in the Catholic Church. The point is to rid the person of a demon that is hitched a ride in their body to the detriment of said body or of the person's soul or whatever. And can't it only be done by a priest? According to the church, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or, or object be protected against the power of the evil one, that's capital E, capital O, and withdrawn from his dominion, it is called an exorcism. It's not like when a priest takes confession or baptizes a person. It's the same every time. Mm -hmm. The power that goes into the power, quote unquote, that goes into confession and baptism 
comes from the words and the order of the ritual. It's a rigid set of rules, like a recipe or, say, like a magic spell or something, uh, and it gets this desired effect. Exorcism is more fluid and depends largely on the faith of the person doing the exorcism. So it could be like any priest? Well, it requires a priest. Okay. And then it also requires permission from church authorities. Right. And those are the only two things it requires. The Warrens were always trying to get permission from the church for doing their shit. It's like, yeah. well, we'd love to help you. First, we have to ask the church. Yeah. The church has to give yeah. their okay on it. Because that is necessarily part of this if it hasn't, yeah, right. if it hasn't been okayed by them, then it's not going to work. Which is weird. It is weird. And leads me to believe that it's possibly, if exorcisms are a thing, then I think that rule is possibly bullshit. Right. Or if that rule is, or if that rule it's is true, some, that like, means that exorcisms are bullshit. I don't know. Well, it's just kind of one way of controlling it by yeah it's controlling just a, it it's yeah, all about it's just control. one of their bullshit rules like goddamn everything mm -hmm. else <laughs> uh, so it took a little time but bishop joseph or probably joseph stangle gave the priest arnold wren's authorization to perform an exorcism on annalise he was also ordered to secrecy with the assistance of priest ernst alt over 10 months from the end of 75 to, you know, 1976. Nearly 70 exorcism rites were performed on the woman for up to four hours at a time, once or twice a week. That seems exhausting. Yeah. Exorcism is intense. When she died, when they, you know, the body mm -hmm. was found okay. and it was, yep. the autopsy was performed. It showed that she had died of malnutrition and dehydration right. Right. from almost a year of basically being tortured. It's also possible she had pneumonia. Her knees were both broken oh. from being forced to genuflect, which is kneeling. Oh, geez. She was unable to move without assistance. Well, probably had like kneel on something, too. That, that's, that uh, was a popular Probably one. just the fucking ground. Well, the ground, but sometimes it was like a broomstick. You had to like kneel on oh, a broomstick. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, something. Yeah, not not like a cushion, but something not great. Mm hmm. Before her death, she had been unable to move without assistance and she weighed 68 pounds wow. or 30 kilograms. It's like my 10 year old weighs more than that. And she's not like a big kid. Oh, no, not at all. No. She's a slender little thing, but she yeah. she weighs more than 68 pounds now. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's insane. Yeah, that's nothing. That's so awful. The priests and her parents were charged with negligent homicide, but convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to six months in jail. Well, I'm not all that upset over that because, I mean, I think they were trying to claim that she, it was the demon within her and she refused to eat and there was, I don't know. They said, yeah, they that she refused to eat and everything. And but that she was having such violent fits, they had to, like, hold her down. Yeah. Uh, and but, force her to kneel. But, you know, if this is going on for 10 months, wouldn't you be worried about that exact thing, that eventually this was going to kill them and people weren't going to believe you? And Yeah. So, you know, if this were truly, she was doing this to herself in some way, whether it was demon or mental illness, 
I would be bringing in like a third party. Yeah, like, definitely. Like a social worker 100%. or doctor per se and be like, oh, look, can you witness this and see this is what she's doing? And well, maybe you could help, number one, because the fucking priest sure isn't. And number two, at least maybe you could at least witness the fact that this is what's going on. And Nowadays, people, <sighs> they make sure before doing any sort of exorcism right that the person is not just suffering from some kind of mental illness so this is one of those like lesson learned things like sort of that the the catholic church and their dispensing on authorizations to commit exorcisms that rule came about in 1999 they're like maybe we should update this the exorcism right that this that the bishop allowed this guy to do was was one from the handbook in like 1656 or some stupid oh, shit. So it was. Well, of course, of course. Yeah, you should totally keep around documents that are that old for, you know, practical purposes. Because that makes a lot of fucking sense to it me. It probably even says to torture them, too. Addition, <laughs> probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's probably 1656 misogyny there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably like torture her, too. That'll probably help the devil come out. That'll yeah, the demon emerge. Oh, she man. cries. The devil comes out in her tears. <laughs> yeah, that is terrible. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, count everyone on the boat. Yes, yes. Now it's uh, let's make sure there's no mental illness that you know of or that has been correctly diagnosed. Yeah, let's before. make sure we're not just torturing some poor blighted soul let's make sure this is actual demon possession going right on here <laughs> so that is about it for our stories behind the horror movies enjoy spooky season yes please do and please also look at all our social medias look at our social medias everywhere on instagram facebook twitter you can hear us on Spotify. Just search for the Stranger Than podcast. You'll find us. We got t-shirts at tpublic.com slash user slash Stranger Than podcast. We have a Patreon. Got a Patreon. We've switched things up a little bit on our Patreon. Uh, we're no longer offering show notes because, frankly, I suck at uploading them. And I don't even know if you guys really care. Uh, instead, we will be offering at the $2 level and above commercial free episodes. Yes, because I Why like not? commercial free. Yeah. And I'm uh, a fan of commercial free myself. So definitely at the $5 level, you will get a bonus episode every month as well. Uh, you can also donate for $1 and we'll send you a sticker and just love you quite a bit. And, you know, we'll still upload those show notes every once in a while. I think we should. Sure. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll <laughs> upload a show note here and there. If you ask, we'll put them up. <laughs> We're just not promising any regularity. Right. But you do get the bonus episode at the $5 level. That's right. Also, check out the ageofradio.org. That's our uh, that's the podcast syndicate we are a part of. You can listen to many great podcasts there and check out the bazaar for other deals on merchandise. And with that, we will talk to you next time and stay strange. <laughs>